You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right, I am here. Aaron is here. This show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for Windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Uh, Tom will call in from Florida. Scott a little later on as well. Jay Gruden spoke today at the Indy Combine. Uh, We'll get to some of that. Uh, I'll have a brief Maryland-Penn State recap shortly. Very brief. The game was over early. Um, last night in State College, uh, I did. I, I had that one, Aaron. Last night, um, I had that one. In a quick uh, self congratulations, uh, in the form of a tweet from Steve late last night. Sheehan, you really do have a system, don't you? <laughs> Others in town, uh, and he said, like everybody on your old station, like to rip you off every once in a while on on the smell test. But you're two steps ahead when it comes to handicapping. Um, thanks. Uh, for the Penn State tip, uh, Steve said. Thank you, Steve. Uh, by the way, nobody rips me off. We all ripped things off from each other. There's very little original uh, anymore. But yes, the smell test is a system that has worked, sort of. Uh, you know, it was born out of a hard knocks situation, um, the kind that I guarantee you Ted Leonsis, Aaron, hasn't been through. Um, it, there's no foolproof system in gambling. Trust me on this. You will eventually lose... But yeah, over the years, I've been able to spot some winners with the uh, with the smell test. And Penn State uh, was an easy winner last night. And someone else tweeted me and said, "Did you really bet on uh, against Maryland last night?" The answer to that is yes, I did. I did bet against Maryland last night. I was hoping for a Maryland one point win because I was plus two last night with Penn State, bought the half point, um, and I will bet against them again if the line reeks. And all of my dopey friends think that, you know, Maryland's a lock laying a point, point and a half uh, or two points. Um, But yeah, unfortunately, that was uh, one of those situations you see in college basketball, you know, two dozen times a season where the line reeks. You know your team, too, that this is the kind of game they can lose and probably will lose. And look, Penn State's playing well. And I'll get to all of that uh, a little bit later on um, with a a brief recap of the game. But we start with the measurements are in. All right, Kyler Murray, 5'10 and an eighth he measured out in Indianapolis this morning. He's 207 pounds. Okay. And his hands came in at nine and a half inches. That is great news for Kyler Murray. Um, and really the truth of the matter now is unless he really messes up the interview portion of, of the Indy combine and pro day and conversations with NFL executives, he's not going to go any later than four or five and more likely than not these measurements, believe it or not, these measurements just made it probable that he will be the number one pick in the draft. So if you're a fan of the Redskins and you were hoping for, you know, the splash pick of all splash picks, uh, you're not getting Kyler Murray at 15. There's zero chance of that happening. Again, I shouldn't say zero. He could completely flub these interviews and he could give indication that baseball is still an option, which could scare people off. He could look horrendous in his pro day. That won't do it. Not as much as the interviews would. The interviews and getting a sense that he is committed to football will be the last box checked. The tape don't lie. You know, if he has a bad pro day, it's not going to hurt him. Um, What would hurt him is something that comes up in an interview. But right now, 
you know, the only way for the Redskins to get Kyler Murray would be to trade into the top five. Now, that would be splash. Yes. That would be splash. There are a lot of teams in the top five who are going to look to trade down, too. Yeah. Uh, Jay Gruden today in Indianapolis on his team's quarterback situation, he said, quote, we we have to address it in free agency and probably the draft, um, close quote. He also said the organization feels good about Colt McCoy, but we always want competition. The Redskins are going to be looking for a quarterback. I think that that is obvious. Um, the question is whether or not at 15 they can get anybody. Uh, I'll come back to that in a moment because I want to just real briefly talk about um, the you know Kyler Murray and these measurements. It seems crazy to to probably many of you that an inch or two is the difference between number one overall and later on in the first round potentially. You know, and for people like me who used to really believe in height when it came to the quarterback position. I really did. I, Tommy and I had these conversations over the years, and I would say, I need a 6'3 guy. You know, I need a guy that can stand in there and, and, and look imposing and see you know, the field. Good size you know, at one point was paramount, um, but it isn't anymore, and I don't feel the same way anymore. And what changed that really more than anything else were two things. One, what happened in two, 2012 with a new style of football, it wasn't that it was the majority of an offense in Washington all right, or, or Seattle, but Russell Wilson and the new style of incorporating the dual threat portion of a quarterback's talent into an NFL offense is what makes height not nearly the same. In importance anymore, and the fact that you've got quarter, uh, you've got coaches that can f- scheme up a way to get quarterbacks outside of the pocket. Not that that's new. I mean, Joe Theismann threw a lot of his throws with Joe Gibbs on the move, bootlegs, sprint outs. Um, but you have Russell Wilson, and you have the majority of NFL teams that have incorporated into their offense a dual threat segment to what they do at the quarterback position. That's what's changed with the height thing. Um, and that and that's why I think it is now more than, than likely that Kyler Murray gets picked number one overall. But when you say that these measurements are, you know, overrated, keep in mind that for NFL teams, you know, to, to look at a five foot ten uh, plus Kyler Murray versus a five foot eight inch Kyler Murray. And by the way, as an aside, I'm surprised that he came in at five ten. I think he looks so much smaller. Well, he looks smaller, and this is the first time I can ever remember where the co- I guess the college uh, program undersold it. Normally, they oversell yes. these things. Yeah, well, what was he listed? At? I think he was listed at five nine. I don't think he was. I think he was listed as five ten. I mean, either way, if he's 5'10 and an 8, they would have listed him as 5'11", right. typically. Yeah, no, the program height. Um, I, I, He looks smaller than 5'10". I, I mean, but, but whatever. Like, Russell Wilson, to me, in envisioning both of them playing, Russell Wilson seems bigger to me. Um, he Russell Wilson was 5'10 and 5'8", and Kyler Murray came in at 5'10 and an 8th. Um, the, actually Kyler Murray's weight is impressive to people. He's put on clearly some weight, whether that be muscle or fat, I would assume it's muscle. And he is 207. Russell Wilson was 204 when he came out and Russell Wilson was 5'10 and 5'8". Russell Wilson had huge hands and that's another thing, but Kyler Murray's hand size is pretty decent. 
You know, that's not going to scare anybody off. They're not the biggest hands, but they're far from the smallest. So the reason that these things are important is because put yourself into the position of a general manager who's working for an owner who says, he's tiny. What are you doing? They can check the box off that says he's 5'10". Russell Wilson is 5'10". If he were 5'8 or 5'9". You know, it's a little bit different in terms of the perceived risk. I think it's ridiculous. There shouldn't be a difference between 5'9 and 5'10. I think the weight, actually, and Cooley talked about this a little bit yesterday on the podcast. If you missed Cooley, um, it's there, uh, kevinsheehanshow.com or any other place. Um, we, we spent 90 minutes yesterday talking about a lot of nonsense, but talking about a lot of football as well. Um, and he loves Kyler Murray. He had done a film breakdown of Murray. Um, but Murray with this height, this is what the NFL was waiting for. This is what many general managers were waiting for. They were waiting for another Aaron box to be checked, you know, not a big question mark of, Oh my God, he is not only the smallest ever. It's not even close. He will be the shortest quarterback ever taken in the first round, but it's so close to Russell Wilson, which is where he needed to get to pretty much. Um, to ensure this. And hand size bigger than Baker Mayfield, like a lot of things. That bigger than better. Ben Roethlisberger's. Yeah. So um, to me, uh, whether it's to Arizona or to someone who trades with the Cardinals, he's gone more likely than not number one overall, and I doubt that he would get out of the top five. Like that to me is now a lock that it's a top yeah. five, but I think he's going to go number one overall. I, I really do. I think we're going to see two teams trading up into the top five to take quarterbacks. Um, and I'll get to what that could mean for the Skins, too, here in a moment, because I don't know that the Skins are going to be one of those teams. They may be one of those teams that gets aggressive and trades up into the top five. I, I wanted to mention this because I had you look some stuff up while we were sitting here um, a while back. You know what's amazing? And this is why you know you don't get hung up on a lot of things when they are written a year or, or less or eight or nine months in advance of when something is going to happen, especially in the NFL. It's like the NFL is just the most unpredictable sports league that there is. Kyler Murray is going to be more likely than not, all right, the number one pick in the draft, worst case top five. Less than a year ago when the 2018 draft ended, nobody had this. No one had it. Remember, Baker Mayfield was just leaving. Kyler Murray hadn't played yet, but... Kuyper uh, last year, right when the draft ended in early May, Kuyper gave his projected quarterback order, um, and he broke it into seniors and underclassmen. The seniors were Drew Locke, Will Greer, uh, Ryan Finley, uh, Thorson out of Northwestern, and I forget who else was on that list. You you gave me somebody else, but it's not important because the underclassmen list was the most important. Listen to the underclassmen order of quarterbacks that would be drafted in 2019 that Kuyper had in May of 2018. Uh, Justin Herbert from Oregon. Uh, Jared uh, uh, Stidham from Alabama, who I like a lot. I want Cooley to do a film breakdown, and he's going to. Shea Patterson, the Michigan quarterback, who, by the way, is really tiny. Like, he actually looks like Kyler Murray tiny and isn't nearly as good. Uh, Nathan Stanley from Iowa and Jake Bentley from South Carolina. Kyler Murray wasn't even listed on the five underclassmen that were, you know, the top quarterbacks of the underclassmen. And if you throw in the seniors, he wasn't even listed on the top ten quarterbacks. 
And here we are a year later, and Kyler Murray is the Heisman Trophy winner and is well on his way to being the number one pick in the draft. Hell, Bleacher reports uh, early projection of the draft, and this was in, what, August of, of 2018. Jarrett Stidham won, Justin Herbert two, Drew Locke three, Ryan Finley four, Will Greer five. Those were the five quarterbacks that would be taken in the first round. Uh, and it's going to be Kyler Murray. Um, and by the way, Daniel Jones, I think, will work his way yeah. in the top five. Uh, I told Cooley yesterday he was going to do um, film breakdowns yesterday of Dwayne Haskins. And he was going to do somebody else, too. I forget. Oh, I think he did Daniel Jones. I think he did Jones and Haskins. And I said to him on the podcast yesterday before, I said, I'm going to make a prediction right now that you're not going to like Haskins. And if you've listened to this podcast since it started in September, I'm just not a Dwayne Haskins fan. I know he's a local kid, you know, and I know people that know him. I just, for whatever reason, every time I, and we get to watch almost every Ohio State game. Almost every Ohio State game is televised. And I got to see him in person, like almost at field level at State College that night that they came from 13 down against Penn State and won. And his numbers are incredible. But for whatever reason, and I've had this argument with so many people, I just think that Dwayne Haskins is going to be a bust. Like, I just don't see it. Uh, and, and Cooley called me last night, and he said, oh, my God, Haskins is going to be a bust. He's like, he's not any good, and somebody's going to make a huge mistake in the top ten. And so we ended up talking for like an hour and he's going through all these different games. I'm like, yeah, I remember that Michigan State game. Remember the Michigan State game? They couldn't even move the ball. And Haskins, every ball, he, listen, he'll listen to his film breakdown on his podcast, and he'll come on here next week and do some more quarterbacks, including Haskins too. Um, but I'm with him on this. I have felt this way since the beginning of the season that whoever drafts Dwayne Haskins is going to regret that pick. I like Locke better. I like Murray. I'm intrigued by Murray more than anything else. And I like Jones. Those are the, I like Locke more than any of them, except for Murray. Murray's like almost in a category of his own. Murray but, could absolutely bust, but he has the highest ceiling. Yeah, I mean, who who isn't intrigued with him? And now that he's coming in with, with more physical stature than you actually thought he had, um, you know, but anyway, uh, Cooley will continue to come on the podcast here, leading up to the draft, doing some film breakdowns, and you can also listen to the to, you know his stuff on his own podcast, which you can get you know anyway you get a podcast plus at Redskins.com. All right, um, real quickly on the Maryland game last night, it was a terrible start again. Um, they weren't competitive enough. I know that that is a harsh accusation uh, at times when you when you criticize a team or a player for not being tough or competitive enough, but last night they weren't. Uh, last night they got bullied around early, especially by Lamar Stevens, who I love his game. Uh, Miles Dredd, uh, the announcers had no idea what the relationship was between Miles Dredd and Anthony Cowan and 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 the players on Maryland's roster and the coaches on and Mar- on Maryland's bench. Miles Dredd played at Gonzaga, um, part of one of the best high school teams I've ever seen, uh, certainly in the last 10, 15 years anyway. Um, and, Penn, and Maryland didn't offer. Uh, a lot of teams didn't offer Miles Dredd. Um, Penn State did, and he's at Penn State. And if you were watching that game last night and you knew the 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 backdrop, the backdrop for this, Miles Dredd was out to basically punish Maryland. Like, do you know my name now, Turgeon? 
Do you know who I am now? Did you see Miles Dredd hunting for shots? This is a freshman. He's played well at times this year. He's had some good games. Okay, he had eight shot attempts in the first five minutes of the game. He was on pace for 32 shot attempts in the half and 64 for the game. Yeah. All right. Oh, boy. I, I just pulled up. By the way, I pulled up his offer list. Yeah, there, there weren't many. It was it was Penn State, George Mason, James Madison, yes. Manhattan, and Towson. Yes, he was very underrated and and overlooked. And this was him saying to the school, the big time school that was closest to him, Georgetown too. Georgetown didn't offer him, right? Yeah, no, it was those five. But they're not. But they're not in the Big East, so he gets to play Maryland. Right. And and the, the announcers completely missed it, but immediately anybody that knew what was going on could see that Miles Dredd was out to make sure that Mark Turgeon and his coaching staff never forgot who they didn't recruit. Dredd had 15 points in the first 10 minutes of the game, uh, first 11 minutes of the game. Now, he ended up for the night. Actually, Maryland, when they adjusted, he didn't get much the rest of the night. He finished with 17, but almost all of it came in the first five, six minutes of the game. Lamar Stevens is a load, and to me, I believe that Lamar Stevens is a pro. Um, he's 6'8", 235, 240, and has every move imaginable. Um, yeah, Maryland wasn't competitive enough. Uh, Fernando uh, played poorly again. You know, this is a, a, a two or three games now, especially early on, where he's just way too passive for me. He's got to be more aggressive. Forget foul trouble. Take the ball in the post, make a hard, you know, dribble, you're up and under, but dunk on somebody at some point. Uh, Sticks got pushed around last night. It, it was it was ugly. There was It was a no-chance game four minutes into it. If you're watching this, you know that Maryland starts slowly, but I'm watching this, and I also had the perspective of knowing that Penn State was the right side last night from a gambling perspective, but also that Penn State, and I've said this about the Big Ten and Penn State among other teams at the bottom, they're a good team. They may not have a good record, but right now, they are a good team. They've won now five of their last seven games. They beat Michigan. They blew out Nebraska. They should have beaten Purdue at home. All right, That game went to overtime on a terrible call. They had Purdue dead to right at home. All right, They have had close losses. This is a good basketball team and a team that no one in the Big Ten is going to want to see in the Big Ten tournament. They actually have a chance now to finish in the top eight, nine, you know, with the way they're playing. I also think Chambers does a pretty good job. This league has a lot of really good coaches. And the last thing I'll say about last night is, boy, did uh, Detergent take a pounding on Twitter, on social media, mm-hmm. as he does often after games like that. Um, last night's not the night. Not for me. Um, I, I think that Penn State's good. I thought it was a dangerous game and a difficult game going in. Uh, I think every good team has games like this. Maryland's not an elite team. They're a good team, though. And they're they're close to being a very good team. And everybody has nights like this, all right? Iowa's been a pretty good team. They got blown the F out at Ohio State the other night. Uh, Michigan came in and got, got it handed to them by Penn State a few weeks ago. Uh, it's not a bad loss. This is not a bad loss. If you didn't like the way they played, I, you know, that's justified. You know, but I, I expect them to play well Sunday at home against Michigan. I think they will. Here's my one concern. I'll continue to harp on this. I don't think Maryland 
you know, especially they, look, they've won five road games. I, I saw a lot on Twitter last night. People saying this is what always happens to them on the road. They they're five and five on the road in the Big Ten this year. What are you talking about? They've won five games on the road in this league that is brutal this year. So I, I just last night's not the night. I'll I'll stick with what I have had problems with all along. I think Maryland doesn't play fast enough. I don't think they try to score um, when they can score without facing a set defense. Uh, Penn State threw a lot of half-court trap at them last night, which Iowa did. Um, Maryland handled it for the most part, but they handled it in a very passive way, not an aggressive way. Um, I think you can score more. I think they should be more aggressive on that. Um, I just don't like the style more times than not that they play. I think that they're not a very difficult team to scout which is why I'm optimistic about the NCAA tournament. I think in some ways when they get out of the Big Ten um, and they're not scouted as well, they have a chance to really look a lot better offensively. Um, They didn't defend last night, which forced Turgeon to go to some zone, which I thought he was going to do actually at halftime. I really felt like there was a chance he'd come out and show it like he did against Minnesota in that game, and he actually did. Um, But... I, I'm I'm not going to kill him for last night. And I, for those of you that want me to kill him for last night, I'll continue to criticize what I feel is, it, it's what I feel. I, I don't love that they don't try to play more aggressive, take it to people, up-tempo basketball more often than not. They don't. And I think that that's a missed opportunity for this group. And I think it makes it more difficult for them on nights against good, well-coached teams to score. I think we've seen that. Maryland, when they're scouted well and they are going to grind it out and they're not going to try to get easier opportunities, they're going to struggle to score. On a lot of those nights, though, they've played exceptional defense, which has kept them in games and given given them chances like at Iowa or at Minnesota or... You know, in in a lot of the uh, you know Purdue where, where they were down, they played good enough defense where it's carried them. Last night they got bullied around defensively. They were not tough or competitive enough last night. You wanted to say what? Yeah, I was going to say uh, two things. Uh, the one thing again, we we've kind of harped on this the past few weeks really is is the slow start thing. They got to figure out what's going on there. The other thing, if you want to criticize Turgeon for one thing, I, I really do feel he and probably for good reason. He, uh, he, I think he waved the white flag a little bit early. Do you know how many timeouts he called in the game? Uh, he had some left. He had one, He called one timeout in the yeah, entire game. Yeah, I, I noticed that. That's a good observation. I, I noticed that. And you, you know what? He said after the game, we treated the second half like it was a practice. And and that's you know what the second half fine. I think it, the first half though. I think he needed you know to try to stop the bleeding a little bit early there. Uh, you, uh... I'll tell you what, seriously, last night I'm sitting there watching with Corbin, my son, who's uh, at Maryland, and um, we're watching the game, and he said, it's just typical slow start, and I said, nope, it's over. He's like, no, come on, we were down a bunch at Iowa the whole time. I said, no, this one's over. This ain't happening tonight. It was, By the way, I didn't think it was happening before the game started, um, but I, it just wasn't, they didn't have it last night, and it, this happens. Teams, good teams play games like this. You know, they have these nights. Last night was Maryland's night. Let's hope they bounce back. Michigan's been a tough matchup for them. It's not the best of of teams for them to play, especially offensively. They've really been handled defensively by Michigan the last few times. Beeline seems to have them scouted up really well. And this is the last point I would just make. <sighs> 
You know, um, Cooley uh, has talked a lot in football, and Sean McVay's talked about it before. A lot of NFL coaches talk about it, and they talk about it, and they use the description breaking tendencies. I think the same kind of thing applies to basketball, especially in these league games where you're scouted so well, where everybody knows what you're running, and everybody can see defensively when you come down and you've got, you know, Bruno in the, in the high post or Bruno in the low post or, you know, the way you align and where you're going to run your down screens and your curls. They, they've got you well scouted. I think you got to break tendencies. I think, you know, last night was one of those nights that if you could have sniffed it out early and known that this was going to be a difficult spot for you, change up things that you do typically. Now, some coaches may say, no, we... We're not going to change the way we play because we don't practice other ways. Well, practice other ways. You know, in football, you've got a whole week to prepare for one opponent. It's different in basketball. I understand that. But Maryland really doesn't change a lot of what they do. There's. Let me give you real quickly for you guys that really can't stand Turgeon and don't think he does anything well. He does a couple of things very well. First of all, for the most part, Maryland's coached up pretty well defensively. Sometimes it's matchups that they get taken advantage of. Like last night, and they just didn't have anybody that could check Stevens in the post. You know, certainly it wasn't going to be sticks. And then they started to double him, which I thought was smart. But usually they're coached up pretty well defensively. Secondly. He runs really good sets out of timeouts. He's got he's got a couple of really good plays that work out of timeouts. He's got a couple of really good inbounds plays that work, especially underneath their own basket. I think, though, their offense needs to change a little bit. I think defensively they could have shown Penn State some zone early, maybe pressured early. You know, break some tendencies every once in a while. I don't know that it, it I, to be honest with you, I don't know how often the great coaches do it, Izzo and, and, and Kay and, and, you know, but, uh, but I, because sometimes they just have overwhelming talent, so it doesn't matter. You know, it's like they, they can run their stuff over and over again. They just, they have better players. But when your players are good, but they're not all lottery picks, I think breaking tendency is a, is a, is something that that you know teams should try more of in basketball. It's definitely something that happens in football a lot. Quick word on Window Nation before we get to Tommy. Uh, before you wish for this winter and crazy cold weather to end, and if you're wishing for that, uh, you're going to have to wait a little bit because it looks like we've got some winter coming in the next few days. Um, but there is one thing you should do. Get your old and drafty windows replaced. Why now in the dead of winter? Well, it's because that's when you unquestionably get the best pricing. Window Nation's award-winning installation teams need work, and the factory is running at half capacity, which means insane savings right now. For the next two weeks, buy two windows, get two windows free. That's two free windows with every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. Buy eight, get eight free. No minimum purchase. Plus, pay nothing for an entire year. You don't need to make a down payment. You don't have to make any payments at all and no interest for 12 months. Keep Window Nation's expert installers in the factory busy. You'll save thousands of dollars. Call now, 866-90NATION or windownation.com. You're wasting money on high energy bills by not calling. Get two free windows with every two you buy. Buy four windows, uh, buy four windows get four free. There's no limit. Plus, nothing down, no payments, no interest for 12 
full months. Give these guys a shot if you're thinking about new windows. Harley and Aaron are the best. They are two of the best entrepreneurs I have ever met. I've had Window Nation windows installed in my home twice over the last 10 years. It worked for me. I promise it will work for you. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and tell them that I sent you. All right, let's bring in Tommy. Tommy is still down in Florida. Uh, He'll be back in studio uh, next week, uh, missing all of the wonderful... When are you coming back? I'm on the road as we speak, Kevin. I'm driving through the great state of Alabama. (laughs) Really? You're driving all the way back from Destin, Florida. Um, Now, at your age, do you turn that into a two- or three-day trip, or do you just drive straight through? Well, I don't drive straight through. It is 15 hours. Yeah, well, it's that's... a one-night trip. Okay, good. One, th- that's good. Because my mother called from Florida uh, this morning, and she said that she and her husband were getting ready to leave Florida to come back as well, and they turn it into like a two- to three-day trip. And I just thought when you get up to your age um, that sometimes, you know, you you got to stop more often. You might drive four or five hours and pull over and... And, and get some rest. Um, all right, let's talk. Well, well, if you don't drive 100 miles an hour like you do, it takes a little bit longer. That's true. I, I, do, I, I drive too fast, and hopefully that won't uh, – you know what? I'm going to stop driving as fast as I drive. But I am going oh, to Penn yeah. State tomorrow to pick up my son, and the last time I think I made it back in about two hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> um, all right, okay, let's, uh, let's talk about a couple of things. Before we get to Bryce Harper and the latest that the Giants are now back involved – Uh, A lot of uh, talk down at Indy today um, from uh, Jay Gruden and Doug Williams uh, thus far. Uh, Doug Williams um, basically and J.P. Finley and Ben Standig and all the guys are doing a good job of of sort of transcribing the, the key things that they're talking about. But Doug Williams said a couple of things that were interesting. Number one, he said the 2019 quarterback class doesn't look as good as last year, that there's no clear cut number one. Um, he also said if we bring in a quarterback nine times out of ten, it would be a young guy. Um, but he said that trading up, uh, the trade-up option is does not sound likely. He says if there's a quarterback they like at 15, then it's an easy choice. So the trading up uh, possibility, um, it sounds like it's not. Look, I mean, we've got a long way to go between now and the draft. Tommy, I mentioned earlier do you know that that after the draft last year, nobody had Kyler Murray even on their board as a, as a quarterback that would even be drafted anywhere near the first few rounds? And now he, after the measurements came in this morning, he's more likely the number one overall pick. I think he will be. Yeah, think, things could change pretty quickly, and we don't know uh, the validity of what Doug Williams is saying as to whether that's actually what they plan on doing. Well, you that's funny that you said that because right before um you called in, I said to Aaron, "Do you think Doug Williams is the kind of guy that will, you know, throw out a couple of head fakes or is he just telling you exactly what he thinks?" I think you get exactly the way Doug's thinking, personally. Yeah, I do that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what they'll do. That's true. Again, this is not this he's not calling the shots. No, that's a, that's a fair point. That's a better way to look at it. That's a smarter way to look at it. Doug is probably being brutally honest, but it doesn't mean that his decision carries much weight. Um, right. So uh, Gruden also spoke. Um, there, there are a number of things that, that he said. Uh, he said that um, the organization feels comfortable with Colt McCoy, but they want competition. 
and it's possible that they'll take a quarterback at 15 overall. Um, he said they're still talking to Josh Johnson, uh, or to his agent anyway, that he likes Josh Johnson. Um, but, you know, he basically kept all of the options open as far as the quarterback goes. Now, again, this is something important to consider. I don't know how valid what Jay Gruden is saying either. Let's not forget what Jay Gruden said at the end of last year in his season-ending press conference wrap-up. It's important for them, I'm paraphrasing, but basically he said some things need to change around here. We all need to be on the same page when it comes to coaching and personnel decisions. That was the way he ended the 2018 season. I mean, I thought that was a remarkable piece of honesty uh, that we don't typically get from Jay Gruden anymore, and I don't know what it means. We never really pursued it to find out what what that means, and is that a big deal or a small deal? Yeah, I, I um, I it's it's really it's hard to predict. It's so hard yeah. to predict because um, the only thing you can predict is more likely than not whatever they do has a better chance of failing than, than succeeding. That's really the only safe prediction when it comes to this franchise. I know that's really harsh, but it's based on, you know, just not, you know, Dan Snyder's 20-plus years. It's based on recent history as well. I I like, you know, what they've done in the first round the last couple of years. You can compliment that. Remember a couple of weeks ago you said, say something nice about them, and I said they've drafted (laughs) a couple of really good young defensive interior players that look like they are going to be – you know, major impact players. That's a positive. You couldn't come up with anything. Um, One of the things that I wanted to say about the Kyler Murray thing that I don't think I've said already, and this is important, you know, for the Redskins, if, if if you're disappointed that, you know, perhaps all of the quarterbacks could be gone, and it's possible. Like, I could see easily Murray going, followed by Haskins, and I'm not a Haskins guy, um, followed by Locke and Jones, and all of a sudden the Redskins are there at 15 with no quarterback options. But what would happen if all of these quarterbacks go before 15 is you're going to have a really good player, a really good player that's a top 5 to top 10 overall board player drop to 15. You know, they're going to have a chance to get like a Montez Sweat, who I love, or a Greedy Williams, like a really impactful defensive player. And I bet they recognize that. I bet somebody like Kyle Smith, you know, and even a Jay Gruden recognizes, listen, if all these quarterbacks go and we don't love any of them to begin with, we're going to end up with a really good player at 15. Right. They probably will. It, it, It should be a good opportunity for them either way, however they choose to go. Have you discussed at all the possibility that's been put out there of if the Cardinals decide to draft Kyler Murray and put Josh Rosen on the trading block? Yes, we have. And um, so here's the one thing, and I didn't mention this. The, the one thing, when Doug Williams said essentially that last year's class was better than this year's class, well, part of last year's class is Josh Rosen. 
I don't know what the Redskins think of Josh Rosen. I personally liked Josh Rosen, and I can't, it's really hard to measure what he did as a rookie because it was one of the worst situations in the NFL from a coaching standpoint, from a talent standpoint, from an everything standpoint. So if you just are to look at Josh Rosen's numbers, which were not impressive in his first year, um, I don't know that that really tells the story. You have to evaluate him, but Tommy, to your point, if Josh Rosen is on the trading block because Steve Kime uh, and Cliff Kingsbury want Kyler Murray to be their quarterback next year, would getting Josh Rosen with the 15th pick, uh, you know, would you would you view that as you're getting the best quarterback in the draft? Because you have to view him almost as a as a potential, you know, rookie. Yes. Except you got a little more NFL tape on him, and you, yes. you know, so yes, we have talked about that and. I mean, I. I would say I would say yes and yes. Yes and yes My to what? What are the questions? Answers that are that you would have to view him as a as as a drafted rookie quarterback all over again, and yes, I would take him with the fifteenth. I would consider that that trade the equivalent of getting a good fifteenth pick in the first round. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that's one of those things where you know. His tape, like like the actual Josh Rosen, you know, tape of him playing in college. He looks the part. You know, he's big. He's he's got really good feel in the pocket. He can make every throw. The big issue with Josh Rosen coming out was some of the same issues. Not not apples to apples in terms of the actual content, but the same overall you know, concern that Josh Rosen may uh, eventually not play football. Kyler Murray may eventually play baseball. Josh Rosen may, with the concussion history he's had and the injury history he's had, and coming from significant, you know, uh, an affluent family and a doctor for a father, a lot of people were concerned that he's too smart for this and that eventually you know he, he's a concussion away from saying I'm not going to put myself into this position anymore so you'd have to be really comfortable on a lot of things with Josh Rosen and beyond a, just the football piece that's a legitimate concern so let me throw another stink bomb into that that's particularly Redskins like not that we didn't need any more stink bombs Josh Rosen is a very smart young man Went to Stanford. He's different. UCLA. He went to UCLA. Oh, UCLA. I'm sorry. He's different. He's a different kind of guy. And uh, there was a story out there I remember reading where he was on a Trump golf course and wore a bandana while he was playing golf there that basically cursed Trump out. What if this kid says to the Redskins, I'm not playing for you guys. You guys have a racist name. I think we've talked about this. I mean, we don't need to beat it to death today, but it's a, it's a fair point on any new player that you're going to invest a lot in. You know, a player that isn't going to be invested, a player that doesn't have a lot of leverage that may feel a certain way towards the name is probably going to say, I need a paycheck. But a Josh Rosen, you know, uh, you're right. It's, it, it's one of those things that – now, look, he, he wouldn't have a choice – other than to say I'm not right. playing football, um, but well, his choice, Kevin, his leverage would be if you if you trade for me, I will be I will speak out when every time I'm interviewed against the name of the team that you don't want him on your team yeah. as your quarterback. There's you have no leverage if he's going to turn around and dump on him. Now, look again, I don't know if he would. 
I just wanted to point out, and, and, and 99 out of 100 players are not going to do that for a variety of reasons. But sooner or later, there's going to be a player where that's going to be a problem for the team. I don't know when it will happen, but it's something that pops up in my mind on Josh Rosen when I read about his background. I think that you have to th- – look, I understand what you're saying, that it, with a guy like Josh Rosen, sort of a thoughtful, perhaps left-leaning um, uh, yeah. you know, a personality and uh, – and 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 political bent, you've got to consider some of that uh, even more so with a guy like him. But I think you have to consider it with almost anybody that you're going to make a big investment in. It's, I mean, to me, you know, I think it's ridiculous, but that that's not the way other people feel. Um, right. I yeah. Want, I want to get to to Bryce Harper here in a moment, but I, I, you know, Doug Williams continues to speak as we're recording right now, and uh, and and I'm reading more about what Jay Gruden said. I, I don't think there's any question that right now, number one on the priority list for the Redskins, and I think it should be this, is to get Brandon Sheriff's contract, um, you know, uh, extended. He's he is. They cannot let him get into this season and stare unrestricted free agency after next year straight in the face. They've got to get in there, get a deal done. They could potentially really help their cap out here in the short term by getting a deal done if it's structured the right way. Uh, and, you know, Jay Gruden essentially talked about that today. So that's number one. You know, the other issue the Redskins uh, – the issue, the other question the Redskins are going to have um, is whether or not to pick up Josh Doxson's fifth-year option for 2020. And Doug Williams was asked about that, and they said they haven't yet made a decision on that. Um, to your point, we probably didn't learn a lot from any of these quotes other than, and I'll listen to both of these press conferences for all of you out there and have more on it uh, tomorrow. Um, but I do think they are thinking about how to address their quarterback situation. Hopefully they won't reach to fix that situation for a team that really and truly is not ready to win this year. So if they go with a big move, hopefully it's for a young player that they really, really like. And Josh Rosen would obviously be in that category. Um, I don't know how I would feel on trading the number 15 overall for Josh Rosen. I'd have to know, we'd have to know so much more about him, you know, and be comfortable with him because the way this draft I think is going to play out, I'm getting more confident about this is that the Redskins at 15 are going to have a chance with, I think quarterbacks, plural, you know, going before 15, um, they're going to have a chance to get an impactful player at another position. It, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to have a chance to get yeah. a pass rusher, an inside linebacker, or a corner that can come in and help them right away. That there would be a lot less, I believe, risk on uh, if you were to take a uh, Montez Sweat or a Devin, uh, a Devin White, somebody like that who would fall potentially to 15 because the quarterbacks are going you know, well before 15. All right, uh, real quickly, Bryce Harper, what's your latest on uh, latest thoughts on him? I guess it, it appears as if the Giants uh, are now back uh, involved. They've, they've got a second meeting with Harper scheduled or held a second meeting, you know, I'm sorry, with Harper. Now, what's interesting here is you have the West Coast version of the Red Sox and Yankees fighting for a player. And that means Bryce Harper and Scott Boris finally got what they wanted. It may not be the Yankees and the Red Sox, but the Dodgers and Giants fighting for a player is pretty close. And now you, you, could, be, you could be upping the price with every meeting between the two teams because there's a bit of paranoia between both of them 
over not being shown up by the other. That rivalry goes back to their days in New York City, and it still exists, and it's still strong. Look, I mean, somehow, through circumstances, not through any special knowledge, I still may wind up being right about him going to the Dodgers all along. Yeah. Uh, and I, Even I, though I you've waffled that's... over the last couple of months. Yeah. yeah. No, at at some yeah, point, I, I, whoever he signs with at this point, you're going to be right because you've predicted just about everybody. Well, I didn't know, but I made it clear I didn't know, know. unlike some of the other geniuses in this business who claim they knew, you know. I made it clear that I didn't know, Uh, but the Dodgers made the most sense, and that's where where the Nationals front office thought he'd wind up when he started free agency. They thought he'd wind up in L.A., Uh, but... uh, Look, Philly, they're already, if you go on social media and sports talk radio in Philly, he's already public enemy number one because they think they he spurned them already. Well, you know, this whole thing is so interesting because, it, I mean, we're, we're continuing to, to talk about the same thing every time we bring it up because it hasn't been resolved yet. But if he ends up with a deal that's less than – uh, 10 years, 300, any something north of $300 million, anything at this point, he would save some face. But if he ends up with a deal that's 10 years, $300 million or less, he is going to look like, I mean, like no one wanted him. And it's crazy to say that about because of the money, the actual, you know, literal value of the money involved. But it's amazing to me that that Bryce Harper, who won an MVP but had a bad year last year, and some would make the argument he's not even a top 10 player in Major League Baseball. I, I, I'm not going to make that argument one way or the other, but uh, but I know that that argument's been made here over the last couple of weeks. You know, his war number, all of that. But um, uh, that's not what anybody expected two months ago, three months ago. They expected... A massive bidding war between the Nationals and the Phillies and the Dodgers. And, boy, nobody seems to really want him that much. Amazing. No. No, it, it really, I mean, he's, he's diminished himself. And it's not anything that another MVP season, wherever he winds up, won't fix. Right. But he can't, he can't afford to, to go into the first year of what contract, wherever he signs, in a down year. He'll he'll do himself a lot of damage. All right. Drive safely. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you, boss. Thank you, boss. Quick word about Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. If you're thinking about something new, a Chrysler, Dodge, or a Jeep, give Farish a shot. Their rebates right now are the best they've had all year long. Great deals on the Jeep Cherokee, the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the Jeep Wrangler, Ram pickups. You'll get a great deal. Plenty of inventory on their lot. You'll be able to find the make, model, and color and drive it home today. They're based uh, right in Fairfax, the heart of Fairfax, in Fairfax Circle. Ask for Ralph Perkins when you get there. Ralph's a good friend. He'll take good care of you. They've got a great sales team, a terrific service team. Mark's been running their service department forever. Um, You'll be taken care of uh, if you head out to Farish in Fairfax. Go to FarishCars.com. You can see live inventory. Uh, their updated pricing with their best deals at farishcars.com. All right, let's bring in Scott Van Pelt, um, who joins us on the podcast every Thursday. Uh, I wanted to start with where I just left off with Tommy, and I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast with you, but what do you make of of the Bryce Harper um, situation? We're here on 
February 28th and you know there he's still not signed with anybody and it just seems like overall at least the way I have felt about it is that this bidding war this excitement over this great young player just has not developed and and you know he's going to end up signing a deal that really is a lot of money but doesn't come anywhere near what was anticipated a few months back well baseball is in a weird not a weird place it's in a different place as it relates to how they view these long-term mega deals and i think the market or the lack of a market tells you how baseball sees him like look at his numbers like the the, the mvp year was insane right yeah and and i'm not saying he's not an excellent baseball player he is but i just think baseball is like we're not giving you 300 million dollars for 10 years you're not that good you're not mike trout i, I said on sports center the other night I like Nolan Arenado better by a lot. I mean, they're not the same player, but like he just signed for thirty-two and a half million a year with Colorado. I, I'd much rather have him. Much rather have him than Harper. Um, and I, th- I think that Boris has just overplayed a hand, and I, I don't even know what the hand is at this point. I I find that interesting. I I understand that he's never that for a couple of years minimum. We've known as 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 fans and people like you who are really into the sport have said he's not Trout. Like there there's a not there's close. there's a big difference. But but he was the next best thing. And I know he had a bad 2018. I mean there was a point early last year where he was hitting like 211. And he was really struggling. But when did he become, like last year was, I guess 2016 wasn't uh, the best of years either. But when did he become so much less than some of the great players in the game? I don't know that he did necessarily. I just think that the market and the economics are such that, um, I don't know. I mean, I I, I, don't, I don't know if this, some of this is Boris. I don't know if it's. If they, I mean, didn't I mean the reports are that the the, the Nats offered ten and three hundred, and he said no. Right. That is. Do, do we think? Do we think that's accurate? Yes. Well, yes. I mean, then I don't like. Do you think he's going to get better than that? Because if he is, I don't know where it's coming from. I mean, at this point, he better get more than that. I mean, it, look, he could change everything and make everybody forget this with an MVP season next year and a great season or a great a great few seasons in Los Angeles or San Francisco or Philadelphia or wherever he ends up. But man, they'll they'll both have a lot of egg on their face if it comes in under three hundred million. Right, and I mean, you asked when did he become you know so much less than I I, I think Kirkjian was on with me and he explained that just that the the, the baseball. G, the, the, the GM model now is they, they just they look at everything analytically, and I, I think they look at you know the past mega deals. And granted, the guys, the Pujols and the Canos and the Rodriguez's were older than Manny and Bryce. I mean, you're talking about guys in the absolute prime of their career, but they're the, the, the game's really hesitant to, to pay that kind of number in many instances. Or, but in Colorado's case, I think they looked at a guy that was willing to. To, to not be a free agent next year, just go ahead and do it now. And they're all like, look, we're, we're willing to pay for this. And this turns into like kind of, oh, his splits at Coors Field. Or, so what? He plays at Coors Field. So he benefits from there. So what? He still has to play big defense there. Look, love third baseman, best third baseman in, in the game. And, you know, I, like I said, I said the other night on the show, I, I take Arenado 100 times out of 100 ahead of Harper. Um, 
Do you have a Do you have a guess on Harper? I mean, the Giants are talking to him again. Tommy just said, "Look, one of the things that's actually pretty good for him is you've got the you know the Yankees Red Sox version uh, of uh, you know the West Coast version of the Giants perhaps bidding against the Dodgers, uh, and this may actually uh, you know end up better uh, for for I, Bryce." I've always presumed it was the Phillies because they had all this dry powder, so to speak. They were sitting on, and there was some some thought that they might go. Harper and Machado, if they could get them both, they, they they didn't get Machado obviously, and I don't even think they finished second there. It was the White Sox um, who were really bummed because they thought they were getting him. And I just I, my understanding is that it's the Phillies that are willing to offer the longest term and the most money. But I don't even think Kevin, we know for sure. Like we say, oh, the Phillies are bidding against, excuse me, the Dodgers are bidding against the the, the Giants. But we are we presuming that it's apples to apples because you know the Dodgers maybe want to go short term. Would would Harper even do that? Like. I, I don't know. Like this is it's Boris's job to create the the sense of excitement and, and and a bidding war. But now you're playing poker, and maybe you don't have a hand, man. Maybe you got nothing. Um, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not saying Bryce Harper doesn't have anything. Obviously, he's 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 a fun, he's an excellent player. But is he a generational three hundred million dollar player? It doesn't seem like baseball's saying yes. He's going to end up getting something giant. I just don't know what it is. All right, let's switch subjects uh, and talk about the Maryland game last night. Um, I Do get, we have to? Well, I, I mean, you know, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. I've already done that. I'm kidding. But, I'm kidding. No, no, but I want to. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on on a loss where they never had a shot. That you knew you have had the same feeling I did. I mean, I gave it out yesterday that they were going to lose this game and that Penn State plus one and a half was easy money. Um, but it's. It, I, I the, the Twitter follow. I mean, I know we shouldn't react to this, but this the Corbin's you know t- reading every single tweet about the the negative the negativity towards Turgeon, the Maryland fan base when it comes to their coaches. You know, Gary went through a lot of this as well without social media being a big part of it. But um, it's last night was ugly. It was ugly, but it happens to good teams every once in a while. The, y- 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 let me take this in order the 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 turgeon the turgeon complaining is is um is pretty interesting like the yesterday is the first real dud of the year all right and they got run and it was ugly and slow starts and turnovers are are a, a year-long theme and they're a concern to me when it comes to neutral neutral site games in the big 10 and NCAA tournament you don't want to be down 11 to 4 at the under 16 and turning the ball over because you're going to get run and your season's going to be over and and so they you know I'd say they need to fix it but it's it's almost March I think maybe this is just kind of what they are they slow they start slow and they turn the ball over but when it comes to like this is some you know turgeon this and turgeon that and blah 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 it's like man they're 21 and 8 they're on the 4-5 line as of now you know, if, if they if they lose out and they end up in the sixth line, seven line, I don't know, whatever they are, like, what is it you think they're supposed to be this year, as young as they are? Like, wh- what was it you thought they'd be when they were picked seventh before the season started and, and have one of the youngest teams in the country? And I'm not making excuses for turning the ball over. you got to do better than that. And I'm not making excuses, making excuses for slow starts because it's a season-long issue. But what I'm asking is, on February the 28th, if you were told you were twenty-one and eight, and you had a chance for the double buy, what the hell did you think you were going to be? Like a number, the top five team in the country with this group? Like I, this is where this is where you lose me with this bitching and moaning that is such a constant with uh, 
the Maryland fan base and and and, and the social media bit is is um and you you can you can do one of two things you can choose to focus on it and then become riled up or you can go what are you going to do and, and just deal with the reality of what they are as a team they got a game Sunday against the top ten team and if they win it nobody will care um you know it didn't surprise me they lost what what was troubling was that they got their ass kicked and were never in the game uh, it was the first dud they've had this year where they look like that and not a good time to have it. Um, but it's the kind of game you can flush and move on from, particularly if you play better on, on Sunday. Yeah, I think that that's I think everything you said, I agree with. I'm curious. Um, do you think he, I don't, I mean, we, we both know him, but I, you, you talk to him more than I do. Does he know the criticism of him that's out there among the fans? I, I don't know. Like, I don't, like, I've never said to him, hey, do you, do you go on Twitter and search your name? I, I know that, but do, that. You, uh, do you have a, has he ever, I'm just I, curious I think, if you I have think, a sense. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I think you'd, you'd, I think that they, they, I think that he understands that there's a, um, you know, that there's a set, a, a, uh, a want for more, you know, I think he, I think he, he grasps that. Sure. I mean, I, you'd have to, You'd have to insulate yourself, um, you know, in bubble wrap in a in a cocoon in in the you know in a in a uh, bomb shelter to not have some idea of of what the climate can be. I just I think it's I think the, it, it's it's really an opportunistic time to use the to use last night's I agree with dud that. I agree as, with the, that. as the chance to to, to 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 weigh in like where were you when they were at, when they beat Ohio State and were 21 and 7 like yeah. they, everything's no, I, cool but now now he's now he stinks and this is he's got to go like okay so okay okay mad twitter person that he's got to go what coach is going to go so hold on let me get this straight I'm coming in and the team that was one of the youngest teams in the country that, that finished top 4 in the Big 10 wasn't good enough like what the bleep am I supposed to do what do you think you are who do you think you are? How long do you think? It, how long has it been since you've been that? Like you got to deal in the real time and, and what things are. We can all aspire and hope for more. Okay, I think every Maryland fan does. But right now, with this team this year, give me a break, man. Well, look, I, I don't want you can do this. I. The, I agree with almost everything you said, and I said earlier, last night is not the night to rip into Turgeon. First of all, this happens. Secondly, Penn State's actually really good right now. Don't look at their record. Um, I was well, they, dis- beat Michigan, yeah. they, they, they beat Michigan. They beat Michigan. It wasn't quite as bad, but I mean, Michigan's yeah. top ten team, and they, never, they were never in the game in, up there. Yeah, I went through everything. They've won five of seven. They, could, they, they should have beaten Purdue at home. That game, they got robbed in with a bad call late, and they yep. had them dead to right. And It's a good basketball team. It's a, it's a really good basketball team, actually. I think the one thing that I would say, uh, I agree too, that last night's effort, the thing that was disappointing is they just weren't competitive enough. Um, they, nope. they got bullied. They got, you know, they just, there wasn't enough uh, fight uh, in, in the game last night for me, but whatever. Totally they, agree. It, it, it happens. The, the one thing, though, I think you just went a little bit beyond where I would be is that I'm not going to undersell what we should be, what this program should be. It, this program, the potential, regardless of whether or not we've been there recently as a consistent top 20 team, a consistent second weekend or better program, whether we've been there recently or not, and we haven't, the potential is to be there if if things I are agree. done the right way. And I, 
I think that some criticism of Turgeon and the way he coaches is uh, is completely justifiable. I think where people go, I think of course it is, of course it is. I I just but 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 if you're gonna if you're gonna cannonball off the roof after last night, no, last night's not the night. And then conveniently ignore what this year is, then you can miss me with that. Like I, like sure. But this year, you and I both wish they, you and I both wish that they played, that they pushed the ball more. Because I think when you don't shoot, when you, when you, when you're methodical and you don't get shots, you got to be way too close to perfect. You know, there's, there's, there, there are critiques that are reasonable. But but be reasonable. It can't just be fire turgeon. Like who are you getting? Like what? what? Tell me your tell me your solution. Don't just yeah. scream this bull crap. Uh, and I almost cursed, but I mean you like, can it, it, it on a podcast. Me, it, it, well, good. It's bullshit, and it gets me yeah, needed. Better. That, that, that you're gonna. Uh, we just lost Scott there for a second. It looks like the censor gods stepped in and said no. But you can well, say may, bullshit. May... Uh, there you are. We've got you back now. You can say bullshit oh, well, on a they, podcast. Well, good because that's what the, that's what this is. <laughs> if, if this is if, if if last night becomes your your uh, you know let me grab let me grab my you know torches and get the you know get the fan base riled up and we're going to storm the castle like and fire him and get who who are you getting <laughs> what, what are you getting that's better tell me where tell me where the, the like the the better coach store is and that's that's where people this is what happens to a lot of fan bases is you look you look at yourself in the mirror and you convince yourself that you're still in in like high school shape with high school hair but you're you're, you're a little <laughs> you're a little soft in the middle and you've lost your hair like the reality is like you're still okay but you're not what you think you are like what are you going to get Jay Wright you got to get get him come on you got to be realistic you know you, you Rick Pitino no, thank you. Come on. You you don't want that. Neither do I. Okay, okay, but hold on for a second. In in all seriousness, I feel the same way about Turgeon that you do. And I, I think that the critique sometimes misses out, on, or the criticism uh, often misses out on a lot of things that he's actually very good at. Like recruiting. Like most, more times than not, Maryland's coached up pretty well defensively. Um, there, th- the, he is a, he's a good coach. He's not an elite coach. He's a good coach in a league with a shitload of really good coaches, by the way. But if Rick Patino but if Rick Patino came in and took this program over, uh yeah, I, I personally, like if you if you told me right now, would you bet on a final four within five years, I'd bet I'd bet a lot of money on a final four within five years. A lot of Come money. On. Okay. Well, uh, well have fun with that. Have fun with that press conference. Well, I don't care about the press conference. I care about winning. But look look, one thing about you, 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 you're not they're not hiring Patino. Okay. Look, they I, should be I, ranked this is what the baseline should be, what they are this year. You should be a ranked team, and you should be in the tournament, and that's a reasonable thing to aspire to have your program be. No, one other one other step to and that. That wasn't good enough. That wasn't good enough. Fan, the fan base is over mad at Gary. He didn't recruit well enough. He doesn't this, he doesn't that. Maryland fans just bitch and moan, and that's what they do. <laughs> it's true. That is 100% true. But I would take it one step further, not a significant step further. But top 20 every year, tournament, you know, pretty much, you know, four out of every five years. But I think two out of every five, we should be playing in the second weekend. I I mean, and with a legitimate chance to go further than that. And we can say that at the beginning of the year, we would have paid for 21-8 and and ranked 17th in the country in a definite tournament team and a 4-5-6 seed. But after getting a load of this team, you're allowed to change your expectations. And And this team is talented enough, talented enough 
to be a Sweet 16 team this year. And so if they go out in the first round or before, you know, the first weekend, you know, uh, before the second weekend comes around, it's going to be disappointing. Agree. Okay. Uh, Kyler Murray's measurements are in. 5'10 and an eighth, 207 pounds. I said earlier, this is now almost a – I mean, it's amazing that an inch or two would make this kind of difference, but what it does is it checks a box for these general managers. You know, they they don't have to explain themselves to their owner for taking a guy number three or number two or number one overall because he's at least almost Russell Wilson's height. Uh, do you agree that today locked up uh, him as a, a worst-case top five, more likely than not the number one pick in the draft? Uh, probably. I, I find it all amazing. I mean, it, it's like, okay, well, as you just said, uh, oh, okay, he's close enough to Russell Wilson. We will say he's Russell Wilson. Um, you know, if he was 5'8", then he's undraftable, as if whatever he did on tape, he didn't put on tape. But now that he's over 5'10", and, and, and with an eighth of an inch to spare, Kevin, uh, now he becomes number one, and we, we've got that we've got that video of Kingsbury saying you should take him number one, and now he coaches the team that's got the number one pick. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I, I this whole thing is insane. Like the, the the combine Twitter. I mean, we keep going back to Twitter, but that's where all the news gets shared these days. Uh, like the, this breathless, uh, you know, reporting of his height, which now means something. It's it's. I just find it comical. But I guess I mean. If, if you're giving me like over under top five, I bet top five because that's where he's going to go. Because we fall in love with quarterbacks every year. Oh, this isn't a very good quarterback class. It's going to end up being three, you know, two that go in the top ten for sure. Yeah, the thing the thing that could hurt him are you know the interviews. Like the, somebody could get the sense, or multiple GMs or teams could get the sense that he's not totally committed to football. That could hurt, obviously, a lot. But the size thing isn't going to hurt. Look, I'm with you. I, I I used to be a big quarterback height person. Like, oh no, 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 you got to be six. You got to you got to be at least six two. You know, you got to have some stature. You got to be able to see the whole thing. But over the last six, seven years, the way football gets played and Russell Wilson's a big part of that. It's just not as important anymore. So the, the difference between, I, I don't get the difference between five, nine and five, 10. I actually think the difference between 170 pounds and 205 pounds is more significant. Um, but uh, the, the he, he is, like, we watch a lot of college football, you know, and I love a lot yep. of the people that weigh in on the NFL draft. They don't even watch college football, and they live and die on this particular weekend coming up, which I couldn't care less about personally um, uh, as a fan of the sport. But this dude, to me, is really intriguing. You know, with the way football's played and the way certain coaches are able to devise, you know, dual threat, you know, uh, the way it's played now. Kyler Murray is – as Cooley was on here yesterday, and, he, you know, he did a film breakdown of Murray and Ryan Finley, and he goes, God, Kyle Murray, Jesus, he's electric. He's going to be great, and it would be crazy if this dude doesn't get picked in the top five. Um, well, I, I defer to Cooley. He, his eyes yeah, me too. see things yours and mine obviously don't. Um, but, but I, I, more than anything, I think what we, what we do is we look at, we look at Baker Mayfield, who's not, who's taller, but not much taller, comes out of the same system and gets to the league and, and did it. And I think the mistake that gets made there is presuming that, that Murray and Mayfield are the same guy. All right. That, that they're the same, you know, intangibles and this and that. that I think Murray's obviously faster. He's the fastest guy in the field, but, um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's really amazing to me how the league 
how it morphs. And you and I have talked about this often, that, that, that first Robert Griffin the third game against the Saints and, and realizing pretty quickly, oh, my God, they're running Baylor plays and it was working. Right. And then, obviously, we know what happened there. He decided he didn't want to run that, and, and here we are. But now the league is in a place where a guy like Mayfield can come in, go number one, which shocked me when it happened, and now if, if Murray went one, it wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, everyone's trying to – you know, McVeigh's successful. All right, we all need some guy that just has anyone met McVeigh. I'm surprised Cooley's not a head coach yet. He knows him. I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, everybody in the league's trying to find that. So now it's like, okay, well, Mayfield could do it. So now it's okay for Murray, particularly because he, he measured 5'10". So, I mean, they was, the one thing they say in football is the tape doesn't lie. His tape tells you what it tells you. Um, I, it'll be fascinating to see how it translates. Yeah, I agree. All right, I'll let you go. I appreciate the time. I'll talk to you later. My pleasure always. All right, thanks to Scott. Just want to mention Launch Workplaces in Bethesda. It is a place where if you're looking for new space, and actually I was riding the elevator uh, this morning up um, with someone who had heard about Launch Workplaces from the podcast, and they were coming to check it out today. Um, So it was nice to uh, meet Paul uh, today. Um, But uh, if you live in the upper northwest Chevy Chase, Bethesda area, you're working from home right now and you're looking for a place to move into that's not overly uh, expensive and it's not too much space, check out Launch Workplaces in Bethesda. Fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks, high-speed internet. Um, They've got a cafe here. Uh, They've got free parking, which is huge, and plenty of it. Um, 24-7 access as well. You can get more work done today by moving your office to launch workplaces. Call today for an exclusive free two-day trial, 240-867-14, or visit launchworkplaces.com. That's 240-867-14, or launchworkplaces.com. They've got places uh, and facilities, office space, all over town. So go to launchworkplaces.com. If you don't live over in this area, you're looking for another area in uh you know in in maryland dc or virginia you can see all of their locations at launchworkplaces.com uh all right a few other things to get to first of all the wizards you know i don't want them to win anymore i want them to keep losing you know they're only three games out of the eighth spot it's crazy how bad the bottom of the east is disaster but i did want they, they beat brooklyn last night uh on the road Really blew him out. Um, gave up a big lead late. I did not. I was watching the Maryland game primarily, although that started at six thirty. But caught some of the Wizards in the second half. Um, you know, Brooklyn. If you don't know this, Brooklyn's an above five hundred team. They're actually like in the sixth spot, I think, in the East. Um, so they've had a decent season. But the Wizards blew him out. But the reason that I brought it up today um, is. Scott Brooks had some things to say about Trevor Ariza, who Ariza had a really good game last night, but this was before the game last night. And he said, he made the following comment about Trevor Ariza. He said, the leadership um, that he has uh, is something that he could have used in Oklahoma City. You know, it's why Houston has taken a bit of a step back a little bit. You know, Houston's missing Trevor Ariza right now. And they've said there have been reports out of Houston about Ariza's leadership being missed. Um, And this is what we talked about and I've talked about for years. I I thought it was a major mistake when the Redskins, Redskins, when the Wizards let Ariza go because they wanted to clear space for Kevin Durant, which was such 
a ridiculous pipe dream. It was never going to happen. And I think they, they blew a couple of years there of being, you know, a bigger and better contender than they were. And contenders, uh, I'm using the word loosely, but, um, it's a shame that they've gotten him back here towards the end of his career, more likely than not, on a team that's just not very good, in part because of the injuries, for sure, but for a lot of other reasons as well. But I thought that was an interesting comment from Brooks because it also spoke to what he was dealing with in Oklahoma City when he had Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook at a much younger uh, at much younger ages, you know, they had a lot of talent. They got to the NBA finals. Those two did. They got within a game of eliminating Golden State in the Western Conference Finals, really should have eliminated Golden State in the Western Conference Finals with a 3-1 um, series lead. Um, but Brooks, you know, talked about how needed some leadership on that team. And Ariza is that kind of guy. He had a great night last night defensively in particular, but he went for 23, 10 rebounds, five assists, had two steals, uh, and Beal had a big night. They gave up a much – they ended up winning by nine. They led by, you know, at one point I think 28 um, in the game. Um, but, man, Beal continues just to put up numbers, man. He does. There are some nights, though, when I watch and I'm like, he's zero interest in participating on defense. Uh, but they won the game. Also, if you missed it last night, Dwayne Wade's game winner to beat the Warriors after he sort of lost the ball, had the ball knocked out of his hands and just threw up a prayer, a three-point prayer at the buzzer that banked in um, was pretty cool to see. Um, uh, the Heat, you know, they're they're hanging in there, I guess. The Warriors, in the meantime, Warriors have lost like, you know, two or three times here recently. They lost that game to the Rockets on national television last Saturday night. They got blown out, you know, uh, a week or so ago in, in Portland, I think it was. Um, you, you've got to have a feeling that Golden State just, when you get to that level, you just want the playoffs to start. There has to be a little bit of going through the motions when you've won as much as they have, and really the only thing that matters and the only thing you can really get up for are playoff games. Um, they lost at Miami 126-125. And then the last thing I wanted to mention about the NBA, just real briefly, and those of you that have listened to me over the years know that this guy has been one of my favorite players over the years. I, I love Rajon Rondo. I just think that he is among the two or three highest IQ players in the game. I think he will make an excellent coach. Um, but the Lakers won last night at home against the Pelicans, who are uh, on a minutes uh, restriction for Anthony Davis, by the way. And I still think that if the Lakers were to get into the playoffs, it would just be an interesting team. Not as an eight seed playing Golden State. They'd have no, no shot. But to see Rondo and the, the playoffs are just totally different than regular season games. To see Rondo and LeBron on the same team in a postseason game where intelligence and experience and basketball IQ all matter so much, I just think it would be interesting. I, I'd like to see them make a run into the postseason. Rondo last night had 16 assists in the game to two turnovers. Um, he was brilliant in setting up uh, LeBron James and Kuzma and everybody else. So they've got talent. I mean, you know, they, they're, they're a couple games out of, of the postseason right now, and they're a long shot to make it, right? The Clippers are still two or three games better yeah. than them in the West. But anyway, um, that's it on the NBA. Uh, back to college basketball for a moment. Fran McCaffrey, the head coach at Iowa, got suspended for two games for calling a referee in the loss at Ohio State the other night, a cheating mf'er. 
Um, can't say that to a referee. Yeah. He called you. You mean you can mf probably these guys and get teed up. You can get you can't, on the court. You can't refer to somebody as a cheating mother effer. Especially doing it after the game, like chasing them down in the hallways. One of the calls that really pissed him off was a call against his son who plays for him, Connor, um, who uh, also drew a technical foul during the game. McCaffrey's a tough dude, man. He's you a know, maniac. He is a little bit uh, – he comes off as a total a-hole at times. I think he's a decent coach. You know, I, I he was at Siena there for a while. I remember that. Um, and he's been at Iowa now for – he's been at Iowa for a while now, right? How long has he been at Iowa? I'm actually interested in that. Um, and how what his record there is. It's actually a good spot for him. Wow, he's been at Iowa now? This is this is year ten? Nine. Year nine at Iowa? Yes. Um one seventy two and one twenty six overall. And he's been to the tournament three times, yes. all right? And lost in the first four and then lost in the round of 32. Has not been to the second weekend. He's got a good team this year. I don't know if it's a second weekend team. This tournament's going to be really interesting um, in that, you know, th- from from my perspective anyway, about the Big Ten. I, I, I've thought that this has been a rugged, tough, deep, deep league, you know, uh, every night, every single night you can lose to almost anybody in this league. And sometimes, and I remember this from the days in the ACC, you know, the competition was so fierce that once you got out of that bubble, once you got out of your league bubble, it became easier. You know, you weren't as well scouted. The teams you were playing weren't as good, especially early in the tournament. So I don't know what to expect from the Big Ten. I do always consider what Gary Williams told me a long time ago, and that is you've got to be able to score to make a deep run in the tournament. And a lot of Big Ten teams don't score. Iowa's actually one of those teams that can score. You know who can score right now? Penn State can score. Penn State and Iowa, Penn State likes to play faster, and it's not really perhaps that coincidental that they're winning games. I mean, they they beat Maryland 78-61. They beat Illinois 83-76. They beat Nebraska 95-71. Those are their last three games, all wins. They scored 90 against Purdue. They like to play faster. You know, Michigan State likes to play fast. Iowa likes to play fast. So, anyway, um, that was it. Oh, one more story real quickly. Did you see the story about Mike McCarthy? Mike McCarthy, former Green Bay Packers head coach, was involved in an incident during his stepson's high school basketball game on Tuesday night. They've got video of McCarthy following referees out of the gym after the game using... Poor language. Uh, according to, I guess, the school district, um, quote, uh, or actually the high school's athletic director. This is a quote from the high school's athletic director. This parent chose to follow the the officials and berate them, which is clearly unacceptable. Uh, some things were said, some language was used that we don't want in our gym, unsportsmanlike language, close quote. I'm always amazed at the... The guys that know more than anybody else just to keep your mouth shut, you know, as a parent. And they lose it. They lose it competitively when it comes to their kids. This is his stepson. Uh, and he lost it. with a, uh, I've, There are some stories that have never been told about certain coaches and parents. I'll leave, though. And certain politicians and parents. 
uh, and referees, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. certain parents and referees uh, and coaches and then certain uh, local politicians and, and referees that I, I'll, sh- I'll share with you at another point down the road. Um, the last thing uh, that I wanted to say actually was uh, J.P. Finley had this one quote that we didn't read from Jay Gruden uh, from his discussion down uh, out in Indianapolis, and it dealt with Preston Smith. He said that Preston Smith is going to demand some attention and that pass rusher is going to be an issue for the Redskins with Preston Smith heading for free agency. Uh, he then said, J.P. Finley tweeted, that almost everything else is an issue too. But uh, it sounds to me, maybe I'm reading this incorrectly, and we're going to talk to J.P. tomorrow um, from Indianapolis, but maybe they have uh, given up on the uh, prospect of keeping Preston Smith around. Maybe they, I bet they don't think he's worth whatever the market's going to dictate. The interesting thing is it's crowded in free agency at that position. They're also going to have a chance. There's a lot of... Good pass rushers in the draft. Yes. I think that if you're, like, from my standpoint, if they don't get a quarterback in the draft that they really love, I'm going to be okay with that. And then I'm going to root for all the quarterbacks. Haskins, Murray, Locke, Jones, all of them to go early for the NFL, like it often does at draft time, lose their mind when it comes to the quarterback position, and they're sitting there with a chance to draft a great player that should have gone in the top eight, top seven. And they've got a chance now to draft a Greedy Williams, cornerback, LSU, a Montez Sweat, you know, outside linebacker, defensive end, Mississippi State. I talked all season about how I thought Mississippi State was the best defensive team I watched all year long and how I was a massive Montez Sweat fan. If you watch this dude during the year, if you watch their defense, they were good. This guy is an outside 3-4 linebacker pass rusher who, you know, has jumped around on everybody's board. Now everybody's got him in the top 10. Devin White would be an incredible fit next to potentially Reuben Foster at inside linebacker. There are going to be some players that if these quarterbacks start to go, the Redskins are going to get and have a big-time choice of some you know, potentially major impact defensive players. Offensively, you know, I've seen this guy, um, uh, Hawkinson, the tight end from Iowa, climbing up draft boards, you know, uh, into into some top tens. I think Kuiper had him as a top ten, you know, on his big board, TJ Hawkinson, the tight end from Iowa. Um, you've got Metcalf, the wide receiver from Ole Miss. You've got Marquise Brown, the wide receiver from Oklahoma, um, in terms of, of wideouts. Um, they're going to be, you know, you've got a lot of interior defensive linemen. Now, the Redskins ne- you don't necessarily have that need. It's probably the strength of their team with Allen and Payne and Ioannidis. But there are guys out there like Quinnen Williams and and uh, the guy from Clemson whose name is, is escaping me. Um, uh, uh, Farrell, uh, Cleveland Farrell. There, there are guys, Dexter Lawrence. They're guys that, you know, interior guys, um, 4-3 and 3-4 guys, but it would be great if the Redskins ended up having like a Montez Sweat or a Greedy Williams drop to them, you know, at 15. You know, it wouldn't be bad if one of the offensive linemen, the kid from Florida who's projected to be a top 5 to top 10 pick, Jawan Taylor, you know, drops to 15. These are the kind of players that could end up being there at 15. Now, Josh Allen, on everybody's board now, he's become that outside pass rusher. You know, along with Bosa, all right, they're probably not going to drop to 15. And if they did, you'd have to wonder. But John Allen, at this point, leading up to the 2017 draft, there wasn't any hope that the Redskins would get him at, what was it, 17? 
in that draft. Right. You know, so maybe a you know an Allen or you know or Sean Gary or somebody like like it could be. I, I, Montez Sweat would be a guy that I'd look at. Polite's a guy that I could I, I would look at. I want a defensive game changer. You know, to throw you know side by side, you know on the outside with Allen and Payne and Ioannidis. Build up the defense. Get young on defense. You're not winning in 2019. Okay, they're not. They're not winning anything in 2019. Build up a great de- a defense talent-wise. Eventually find the D coordinator you want uh, in 2020. Or, two, you know, after the 2000. That's the way I'd be thinking. Best available player. And they're going to have a chance, more likely than not, to get a really good one at 15. Uh, I think that's it. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. All right. Have a great day. Back tomorrow. Uh, we'll have J.P. Finley on from Indianapolis um, and I'll watch some of the combine uh, here over the weekend too. Um, I, it's not my favorite thing to watch, but I'm I'm interested in in some of the quarterbacks and, and what they look like. I also and Cooley asked me about this on when we were talking about last night. Um, he wanted to know what are the running backs you like because I've been pretty good at picking running backs over the years. There's a couple that I I do like. I will tell you this: the kid from Florida Atlantic, I I like from the beginning of the year. I think I mentioned Devin Singletary early in the season on the podcast. I don't know where he's. I really haven't looked at um, the running back rankings, um, but he's a guy that watching him play has that incredible vision, stop start, you know, ability in space. Uh, uh, similar to what I thought of Carrion Johnson uh, last year, although Johnson was bigger, I think. Um, anyway, uh, we'll start doing a lot of that as well. Singletary, by the way, uh, according to CBS, projected as the number one running back. Oh, really? Yeah. I had no idea. He's he's projected as the number one running back. He is, right now. So this is I've just pulled up CBS uh, NFL draft ranking all twenty five running backs know, and sing, they have Singletary as number one. This is uh, Chris Tra- Chris Trapasso. Wow, Josh I, Jacobs is getting a lot of buzz. Yeah, the Alabama, Alabama guy. Yeah, I, this is, I think this is the first guy I've seen number one, but he's definitely a lot of buzz around Singletary. I um, that's interesting because for whatever reason, when I was watching him, and I'm thinking it's Florida Atlantic, I'm thinking he's like you know probably when I start looking at this closely, he's going to be a projected third rounder, fourth rounder. Um, he is. He's got a lot of that, you know, in space vision, make people miss, then be able to explode from a from a standstill. You know, a little bit of what I liked about Carryon Johnson. He's a little bit. I think he's a, a bit smaller than Johnson. To me, Johnson was like a poor man's Le'Veon Bell the way he ran. And uh, look, when he was healthy last year, he was exceptional for Detroit. And the Redskins apparently wanted to draft him before they wanted to draft Geis. But um. I've had some guys over uh, over over a while, uh, the, the last uh, several years um, that I've that I've been right about, and several that I've been wrong about too. So I'll start looking at those guys in more detail. But I did like uh, Florida Atlantic played in a couple of those Friday night games, you know, that you're sitting around watching because you bet on. And I remember early in the season going, "That dude is a pro." Um, I didn't realize though that he would be projected first round. Um, all right, uh, or first running back taken. I thought the guy from Alabama was the clear. Yeah, I mean, one. and and looking through more, it does seem more people are are looking at Alab- the Alabama guy, but he is listed as a top five running back mostly. All right, uh, that's it for today. See you tomorrow.